Good evening, Patriots. And it's Thursday, April 7th in the year 2022. Matthew 1038, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We're going to dig into that a little bit tonight. Make sure you're keeping your health strong, your immune system strong. Make sure you're getting plenty of sleep. You can get sleep by sleeping well with the right products. You can get those at MyPillow.com. You can use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to get great savings for products that will ensure that you'll have a great night's sleep. And you can also ensure that your immune system is strong by starting with the products at expeditioncoffee.com. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Would you listen to this headline? And it's, it's really kind of stunning how this can even be possible. But they are literally saying that emergency motion seeks to release. I'm sorry, this is the wrong headline. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. If I read that one to you, you'd be like, what? What? They're talking about... And here it is, emergency motion, U.S. speeds entry for Ukrainians as more reach Mexico border. Ukrainians reaching the Mexico border. I, I'm just, it's amazing. So they're running out of Ukraine and they're jumping on planes to fly to Mexico to get out of the plane to walk to the border and try to sneak into the U.S. and do what? Get a free cell phone? I mean, the stupidity that's in our face is unbelievable, and we're literally just kind of letting it happen as a public. And it's stunning. Here's a young girl that has something to say that's, that's definitely worth hearing. You understand the cost of discipleship. Do you understand the cost of what it means to follow Jesus? Losing friends, losing family, losing money, willing to lose everything that you have in this life just to follow Jesus. The Bible says that this life isn't going to be easy. Actually, it says it's supposed to get harder once you start following Jesus. How I know I'm on the right track is by warnings <laughs> that I get from other people. Death threats. <laughs> yeah. It's not supposed to be easy, my friend. It's actually supposed to be harder than you used to have it. But you have somebody who is your strength when you're weak, who is strong with your weakness. Do you understand the true cost of discipleship? I think that's a fair question. That's Brit at 384840 on TikTok. I think it's a very fair question of what it's going to take to be true disciples. You know, we sit in a place, everybody's in a different station. And I think one of the things that it gets a bit confusing for those that are perhaps new 
or those that are struggling a lot. God didn't say it would be an equality or egalitarian type world. There's no, it's not going to be like this collective mindset where everything is going to be equal. And part of the problems that happens a lot in our churches, and we, I've witnessed and I think we've all witnessed it, is this sort of ex, artificial excitement about when it, when the time comes and we all link up together in heaven, there's going to be gold streets and there's going to be pizza parties. and We don't have any idea what our inheritance is. And when we start to focus on this other side, like it's already done, we're taking away and abdicating our responsibility that we have here and now in this time and place. We have to take this time seriously of what's before us. And I, I've, I've said these things, and I know that they get contentious with some because I say, you know, there's, there's nothing guaranteed. And people say, that's not true. I accepted Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteed to be saved. And I really contest that because if it was that easy, if it was that easy just to accept Christ and it's all over, then why bother? Heck, just set up a drive-thru. And Christ would have set up a drive-thru. It would have been, that's it, would have been done. But that's not how Scripture reads. It is a time right now that we are each challenged, and we are each challenged each day to excel and to achieve greatness through him. And that's the way I live. So if that's people have a problem with that, I'm sorry. But that also means that we have a responsibility to follow the paths that God sets before us and to pursue those at the extreme of what he's asking us to. This is why I've said many times, God has created a perfect army. And when you really sit back and you take a step back and realize how perfect this army is, you think about all the various gifts and talents and the gifts and talents that are out here that God has gifted us with and how each of us has something to contribute. doesn't matter what it is. And I've used many examples and just, to use some of them again, it might be that you're a great mechanic. It might be that you're really good at baking bread, that you're a gifted baker. It might be that you're just an exceptional artist. It might be that you're an exceptional hunter. And maybe you're not exceptional. Let's put it that way. Because sometimes we use that and people say, well, I like that, but I, maybe God's put it on your heart and for you to be exceptional is what the goal is. And what is exceptional for you and is what's exceptional for another person are not going to be equal necessarily. But the idea is that we pursue those gifts and talents to the highest level possible within the capabilities that we have and that God gives you. And that makes each of us exceptional in our pursuit. It's the pursuit of that. And along the way, we're going to be able to branch out. God's going to show us that we can do many, many more things. I didn't want us to do just one thing, but we start with one thing. And that's the biggest part is beginning. It's easy to talk about stuff. It's easy just to go around the day and have 15,000 things going on the day. But what is, what's your center point on everything that we do? What's that one thing that you do every day and then grow out from that? Obviously, everybody is probably going to respond prayer. And I agree, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about gifts and talents. So what's that one thing that we do that we love, that's passion, that we pursue to do better and better at, to expand our capabilities and to grow that? And if you imagine that world, that alone is a revolution. And the beauty of that world is there is not one point 
out here that can withstand, the evil can withstand that type of motion. There is not one point that has to be drawn as a sword of steel. Because when every person is pursuing to the greatness of their capability, and here's the thing that, you know, I hear this a lot. People say, I'm not exceptional at things. And I just, I shake my head and I'm like, who are you speaking to? Because God isn't speaking that word. You're speaking to yourself. You're reaffirming yourself based on judgments that you've put out in this world based to other people. You're comparing. That's the last thing we want to do. We've been told not to compare. God has put within us exceptional capabilities. And what we, however we gauge exceptional, it's the idea that we are walking with God and we are allowing God to work through us to truly accomplish what we want, what God needs for us to accomplish, not what we want, what God wants, needs us to accomplish. And that is exceptional. That's the amazing thing. What's the, what is the gauge of exceptional? And the answer is it's God. I can tell myself all day long that I'm a horrible artist. I guess I am. If I compare myself to a Picasso and if I compare myself to other really talented artists, I'd probably say I'm probably not as an exceptional artist. But if I have a passion for that, and if God's put that on my heart, and I'm going to strive to be the best I can possibly be by connecting through God, not doing, but if I'm going to be burdened on this path of telling myself I'm not exceptional at anything, I guarantee my work will never aspire to the level that God could guide me because I'm the one throwing up the roadblock. I'm the one that is in the middle of this dropping a gate right before me saying, well, I can't be exceptional. In fact, it's up to us to pursue that to become great. I don't have a passion on my heart at this point in my life to be great in art as far as an artist drawing, painting. But I can tell you this, if God puts that on my heart, I will pursue that with everything I have to be as great as God will want me and allow me to be. And maybe that work by other standards, I'll look at that and go, Ugh. but here's what I know is if God's led me and I'm pursuing that, that is where I will be. And that's the level that God wants me at. See, that's, that's the problem in our culture is we're, we're all set on these standards and these standards in our culture are all artificially made and they're made in particular for a reason. The whole idea is the pyramid again. It's that one person has to be better than another person. Now here's the crazy part. We start to talk about this. It suddenly starts to sound like progressivism because everybody's equal. And that is exactly not what I'm saying. Everybody is not equal. But each of us has that passion that's been put onto us by God to, for us to pursue that gift and talent to the highest level that we can. And that pursuit through God is the powerful accomplishments of our life. I will say this, and I, I just... I don't say this with arrogance in any way. I've just been blessed with the understanding that if I decide to do something that God's put on my heart, I can accomplish it fantastically. If I put my heart to it and I trust in God. But when I start going off on my own and trying to not listen to the passions that God has taken me on, and I've tried to turn them into things that I want, and I'm not listening to God, I will tell you also, they can fail miserably. The question is, do we pick ourselves up, and do we learn the lessons, and do we strive for more? Back to this army thing. When I sit and I look at the world, and I just, in my quiet reflections, and I take a step back from all the crazy and I take a look at all the things that are happening. Victory to me seems very simple. Victory over this evil is not 
in my eyes, a difficult thing. What is difficult is for us to believe it. And what is difficult is for us to believe that what we are doing in the smallest or greatest way is what God needs us to do to win this war. If everything that we are doing is connected to the wisdom of God, truly, and we set aside fear, which is the number one problem that suffers this entire world, we set aside anxieties, we set aside obsession with material things, we simply follow what God needs us to do and learn to listen and hear God and tie that in with the passions that he needs us to do, amazing things begin to happen. Like I said, this, is a, this enemy cannot withstand that. This enemy can't withstand a world that suddenly says, I'm not playing your materialism game anymore. I'm going to work in God's world where I'm gifting and giving to others and sharing what God gives me for others so that we can all live better. Because God will provide for me. And that's part of that is to trust in God to say, as I've said before, the great example of this is to say, look at my bank account. And I say, oh, my bank account's low. I have anxiety. That's their world. In their world, my bank account numbers are high and I feel comfort. Comfort. As I see things, when we're in God's world, when our bank accounts are high, we should get nervous. When our bank accounts are lower and we're using that money as God wants us to, to help grow and expand the kingdom, that's when you feel the best. It's an inversion, but they do that on purpose, and they've inculcated that deep within our culture. So when we talk about the many things about, we keep our eyes like, you know, people spend time talking about the coming of Christ and the end of times, and it's like, mm, put a break on it a little bit. Because the question I have is, why are we racing so fast to end this when we ourselves have not repaired ourselves? We ourselves are not perfect. This experience in life isn't something to race away from. This experience in life is about us growing. Why are we always so eager to throw it out? Why are we all so eager to have Christ come and take it and fix it all? Didn't we make this problem? Why are we always so eager to run away from it? And that's where I have a problem with the standard teachings that are out here and, the, and the, so many of the comments that are made about you know, whether we're in Revelation or Mark of the Beast and Christ is coming and it will all be better. And it, Look, when those days come, they come. There is obviously no stopping it. But along the way, there is a pretty amazing journey that we miss when we keep trying to wait and look for the end. How, many, how much have you done in it? And I'm just asking this as a, as a statement to reflect on. How much have you done to walk outside and just pause and look around, to enjoy the beauty of nature, to look up in the sky and thank God for all that we have? How much time do you spend just not engaged in the complexities of the world, but just sitting quiet and letting God's voice work through your heart? I get swept up at days and I, and at days I, I literally have to reset myself and say, okay, that's enough time to get back to basics. Just spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time just talking with Jesus. Spend time. That's where I love gardening because you can literally just go out and just be in a place where the world doesn't, isn't around you. I don't take my cell phone. It stays inside. I don't spend, if I step in the garden, I'm not taking an iPad with me and I'm not taking music with me. I just want to be in the world. But I think it's a tragedy in our day and age when we are so eager to see this all wiped away. We, all want, we want somebody always to come in and fix it for us. And I will always get pushback on this. It'll be like, yes, we know how this ends. Sure, we do. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not eager to see that happen. 
I'm eager to see us as humanity come closer to God. I'm eager to walk my own path of spending the time to learn to be closer with Jesus. Because this is a once opportunity. Life is precious. And when we start casting it away so quickly, we get frustrated because of all this garbage going on in our schools, this rainbow stuff, the pedophile stuff, the corruption, all that's noise. Because none of that hinders our relationship with Jesus unless we let it. None of it that gets in the middle of our relationship with God unless we let it. And when we start bringing that in, it's like, oh, Father, please correct these corrupt pieces. No, what we really need is, Father, please embolden the courage within us. Embolden that strength of in, in us. Embolden that gift you gave us to claim dominion over evil. To step on snakes and scorpions. Embolden that power within us that's been said that we will do greater works than he. That's truly one of the greatest things that could happen. That's a gift. And apparently we've all been given that because Jesus said so. And yet, how much time do we spend trying to pursue that? How much time do we spend trying to pursue that connection with Jesus that will teach us the wisdom of God that can teach us to do greater works than he? What does that mean? And I'll be honest, I don't, that is not intended to have a question or have an answer. That's a question I put to myself and I talk to Jesus about it regularly. Jesus, teach me what it is to heal. What does that look like? And how much time do we spend pursuing those great things instead of worrying about the ends or worrying about the mark of the beast? I'd rather pursue the dreams of being David and standing up to the beast and killing him with one stone in his head and then cutting his head off. That, to me, is a noble pursuit. That's righteousness. I'd rather have time learning how to blow a shofar and recruiting the 300 and letting God recruit that 300 so that we could blow the shofar and crush this army. This army of evil. And do so with the 300 that God would select. That would be a noble pursuit. But I've been around this my whole life in this part of the faith where people are always so eager to talk about the ends I did a show, I've done it twice, and I may end up doing it again, where I went back, and I have to pull up my research, but I went back to shortly after the death of Christ and everything that I could find, and I counted and documented the number of times that people have claimed it's the end of the world, it's the end of times, and all the things that went with that. And as I recall, it was something on the order of 30 or 50 times that there has been significant movements of people declaring, declaring a date and a time of when the world would end. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it didn't come true. So I asked myself a simple question. What did they accomplish? What did they accomplish in God's eyes? And what did they accomplish in the relationship with Jesus? These prophecy of ends are just overabundant and i i truly believe at times because it is said that only not a, no one will know except the father the time of the return and so i often wonder if that isn't just part of the veil that we can't see through intentionally put there that when people try to pursue the vision of the future that they always end up in the same place because i don't know how much prophecy stuff you've read i've read a fair share in my life and it always ends in fire every one of them And I'm like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Why is it that we always end up in destruction? Life right now is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. And if we really committed to living the life in the fullness and taking accountability and responsibility in this life, just consider these questions. If we were really engaged with our children, Would we condone an education system and would we have them involved in an education system that was teaching them to be guilty about who they were? 
It was teaching them to accept that they needed to be another gender to be happy? Of course not. Not anybody in their right mind would. And yet we continue that path because we're so consumed with these other things. And yet that's central to faith. God didn't ask us to feel guilty about ourselves. That's another one of the church's hand tricks. They're peddlers of guilt. And because through guilt, you can get people to add to the offering plate and come back and fill the pews. But that's not where we are. God isn't like that. God's a loving God, a powerful, powerful, loving God that wants us to be happy, that wants us to be successful, that wants us to encourage, to be part of a life that we encourage him to join us in. He wants to share that walk with us. So why would that same God be so anxious to see it all come to an end? Whatever happens in the end of times happens. It's not in our control. It's not in our clock. We have no idea when it's going to happen. We can count every little detail we think we know, and I guarantee we'll be wrong because we're told we will be, and it's proven we will be. Heck, we can't even figure out, let me put it this way, the people that follow Q can't even figure out what Q means. And that's supposed to be a man-run operation, and yet... Here we are with people, scholars, trying to tell us exactly when Revelation's going to happen because they apparently can read the signs better than Jesus. We are here to sow seeds. We're here to occupy the land. We're here to expand the kingdom. And until that duty is done or we are called home, that's the mission. And it's a glorious mission. And it's a tough mission. And to be a disciple is a hard walk. And maybe it's better said that it's just not for everybody. And maybe that's something that people have to reflect on. Because if one is consumed with the end of times, maybe you're not cut out to be a disciple. Maybe you're so eager to see it end that you just can't endure the challenges of what Christ has said. That it will be tough. That's just a gut check, and that's one of those things that to ask yourself an honest question. And that's not a con- condemnation. It's a truth. We know from the, from the parable of the, of the young rich man that he was unable to sell everything and give it away, and he was unable to follow Jesus. No one's asking anybody yet to sell things and to give it all away. What we've been asked more than anything in the world is to pursue him relentlessly, trust in him without any hesitation, and to let God guide us no matter where it takes us. But at the core of that, not to worship things and not to be worshipers of money. And when we really let that in, each one of us has plenty of room on that space to grow. That's a lifetime process. So it just is a funny thing that with all of these challenges that put before us that are noble, they're righteous, is this eagerness to always throw it away. The eagerness to get out of this thing as fast as we can. I can't wait till this is over. I hear that so much. Can't wait till Jesus comes and this is all over. If I was Jesus, just saying, and I'm not, and I'm not being blasphemous when I say this, but if I was in a chair like that and I kept hearing disciples saying, I can't wait till his return. I guarantee you I'd sit back and go, yeah, well, it ain't going to happen for a while because you got to grow up. And that is extremely important because when people get to a place where they are obsessed with the ends, they haven't taken time to look in the mirror and realize how much work there is yet to do within us. The pursuit of us, that pursuit of perfection that God puts within our heart, is the only thing that should consume us in fire. With a fire of righteousness, not fire of of the lake of fire, but a fire of righteousness. That should burn brilliantly within you, and within each and every one of us. 
and whatever that task is. And to become better and better and better at everything that we touch and everything that God leads us to do. And when we're accomplishing that, we're truly living within the moment. We're truly experiencing the glory and beauty of all that he has with us. But if a person is miserable, if a person feels this world is heavy, it's, it's, it's unbearable, all of this is going to seem like a rebuke. The person's going to sit back and say things like, I, I can't stand what you're saying. This is not what Jesus said. I would contest that. This life in suffering is supposed to be one of suffering because we're pursuing greatness and we're enjoying the challenge. Think of Paul singing hymns in jail. I mean, this is the point is that always within this, there is a challenging moment and everybody faces this and we have to rise up to be greater. Because part of what this world needs is light. And the one thing is that when the oxygen's getting sucked out of, in the darkness, light is, ha, takes a real effort to get it burning. But we're that life. We're that breath that's coming into the darkness. And if there wasn't darkness, you wouldn't see the light. And yet here we are. We're climbing that narrow path. And what does it say? The narrow path. It's a difficult path. It's the path to life. But who wants to be a miserable climber of the mountain? If you haven't climbed a mountain before, it's worth doing. Or gone on a long hike. 1999, actually, it was uh, October. I'd come back to Oregon. I'd had a really tough walk. And it was a kind of a reset moment in my life. I have had a few of them, but this was a particular one. There's a hundred mile hike. It's up the Umpqua River. It's one, it used to be one of the greatest hikes in the country. Our forests have since been scarred pretty heavily with fire. It's still, I'm sure, beautiful, but anyway. And so I loaded up to do the hike. I put on. I had a set of Nike light hikers, and actually, they weren't Nike. They were another company, North Face. North Face light hikers, and I had a a pack, a good pack, but I'd overloaded it. I'd put in about seventy five pounds because I was going up for a straight hike of a hundred miles, and it was too heavy of a pack that I learned very quickly. So the first segment of the tr- of the hike is about 13 miles. And it's up some pretty steep hills. And it's a pretty rough hike up and through the woods. And I got through that hike, that 13 miles in the first day. I was just about out of water. So I had to set up a tent along the trail. It was pretty dark. And I remember being super thirsty that night because I had... The water was low, and I could hear the river, but it was a long ways down, and it was not safe to go at night. And I woke up, and I knew my feet were hurting, but I woke up, and my entire, both my feet were covered with heavy blisters after one day. The boots that I'd worn were absolutely wrong for the weight of the pack. Just a tactical, poor decision. And I remember sitting in the tent and asking myself a question. Do I want to go on or do I want to call it a day? Because I could just go down a ways, cross over a bridge, and call for a ride. And so I sat there and thought about it and decided I was going to complete the hike. And I had brought a pretty good roll of moleskin, so I began to rebuild my feet. And trust me, they didn't get less blistered over the next 10 days of hiking. But I, it became a, the pain and the enduring of that was part of the glory of the process. 
I'm one of these people that truly feels that if it doesn't hurt, it's not working. And I would end up by the, by the last second, the last day of the hike, I literally had to rebuild the packings on my feet, not once, but twice. Typically I could rebuild them in the morning and they would last me all day long. Unfortunately, I had enough moleskin. By the second to last day, I was having to repack them twice. And it was on that last major climb. And it was just such, to me, it was just such an amazing message that God sent. Because as I finally got to the headwaters of the Umpqua River, which is at Maidu Lake, which is one day hike down to Diamond Lake. So that's, it's your second to last day. As I was approaching that final moment with Amadu Lake. And I was even beginning to think that I'd been on the wrong trail. I told myself I was going to go up around a corner, and if I didn't see the lake, I was going to turn around and go back and pick up a spur trail that I knew would take me there. And as I saw the lake, I walked into the lake, and just as I got to the edge of the lake, right above me, sitting on a perch I didn't see, was a bald eagle. It broke its perch and opened its wings wide and flew right down in front of me and across the lake. It was a welcome. That's been a real driving part of my life and a lot of other things I've done, but it's a reminder that in the worst of times, we have the greatest of success. If we stay true to God. So this is one of these times in this world we're in with all the mess that's going on. And there's a lot. Evil's in full view. But it's something to celebrate. It's something to realize that what God's giving us is the truth of what the world is. And that should redouble our efforts to pursue those gifts and talents that he gives us to challenge ourselves more, to go farther and deeper than we ever thought possible to strive for greaterness, the greatness in all that we do, and to go beyond that. Because right now, the enemy is exposing itself. And this isn't a war that's being waged with swords of steel. It's a war that's being waged by the gifts and talents and the various forms of the sword of the Spirit that God's put within each of us. And that goes back again to where I started. This war is not easy but it's also not difficult to win. All it takes is for us to listen to God and to pursue that and not worry about what's coming, but to focus on the now and live fully in the moment and embrace the glory and the relationship that Christ puts before us to have one of the most amazing times of our life. And it truly is amazing. And the intimacy and the relationships that we gain through that and the closeness that we garnish with Christ and with Father are unprecedented and unparalleled. And that's the greatest reward. Everything else, that's like the cherry on the cake. But right now, the greatest reward is the living and experiencing Christ in our daily life and all that is being given through that in our relationship with Father. That is an unbelievable gift and experience. And if we miss it, What a loss it has been. So don't waste time. Don't fret for a future you can't control. Don't sit and pine for something that's coming that you don't know what the clock time is. Embrace the moment fully. Embrace everything that's here in all of its glory. Because it's here for us. This is the time that we live. And it's not by accident. And God didn't put us here randomly. And he didn't put us here to be waiting to be taken away. He put us here because he trusts us. And because here in this time, he needs us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've come together just to reflect on the beauty of and the gifts that you give to us each and every day. Father, life is fragile. We know that, and life is quick. And in this time, we're reminded with the losses 
that have been around and some of the challenges, just how fragile and how quick life can change. So, Lord, just give us all that boost, that reminder of the incredible walk that we're on as we seek in that intimate relationship with you. And, Jesus, as we reach over to you to be to feel that beauty and that glory of all that you are and all the walk that you made. In all of our frustrations and in, in this war that we fight, we just pray that we can hear that inspiration that you want us to pursue, that inspiration to climb higher, that inspiration to go further, that inspiration to embrace the moment in a greater way than we ever thought possible, and to truly enjoy the experience of this life. For those that are heavy in heart and feel that this is an unbearable time, we just pray that their hearts will be lifted, that they can realize all that you're giving, and you're giving so much. You're truly giving us eyes to see, Lord, and with eyes to see, we're able to look deeper within ourselves. We're able to see within us the inequities, the challenges, the fears, the anxieties, And we're able to strive if we truly listen to you. We know that you're showing us the way, a way to accomplish greatness within all of this. Each one of us, you've blessed with the gifts and talents of many things. But somewhere in there is that nugget that we know that you want us to grab onto and just run with. So, Lord, we just pray for the blessing that all can hear it, all can see it, all can grab it. And that blessing of the energy, the excitement, that righteous fire that'll drive us to go farther up that mountain than we ever thought possible. And so thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. And Jesus, thank you for the sacrifices you've done for us to be here in this time and place. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is a powerful time. And I would just encourage everyone, and I remind myself of this, I don't exclude myself ever in these comments, but we need to all remember to take time just to spend time with Jesus and spend time with Father. All this stuff swirling around, it's man-made. You know, someone said to me something recently, and I actually was a bit ago, but recent enough, and it was, it was a good comment, that if you're truly believing in Jesus, if you did nothing but spent your whole day just focusing on that relationship with Jesus, even in the worst of moment, moments, God would take care of you, even if it meant mana falling on your steps. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that where we are, we've been all kind of put on our hearts to prepare for this time, but not do so with anxiety, but to do so with joy. And not do so with trepidation or frustration or anger, but to do so with an energy and a righteousness of knowing that what we're striving for is to reshape a world, to confront an evil. We all have an opportunity right now to be a David. That's pretty amazing. And what an honor that is. So let's strive to be David. And let everything else be handled by God. Because in the right time and place, he'll take care of it. In the meantime, we've got a mountain to climb and a narrow path to walk. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. And just to encourage everybody just to take some prayers, just to talk, have a conversation, not about politics. Just to talk. Father's there and Jesus is there. And God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. See you tomorrow afternoon for Bardzef or for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you.
and out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Thank you. 